As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby, and I am your host, Liv, here with a very special Q&A episode. Thank you all so much for submitting your questions, be they Assassin's Creed Odyssey related or otherwise. I so appreciate it. 
It's been a little while since I did a Q&A episode and I think it's time and also I'm in the middle of moving between apartments and basically have zero time and or no internet in my new apartment and it's all very messy and up in the air. Good times. So thank you all so much for coming along for the Q&A ride, specifically about Assassin's Creed Odyssey because now I know it's a fairly old game at this point and so many of you have moved on to other mythological games and ask me whether I've played them or will play them daily. To me, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is still very new. It is the first video game beyond N64 that I have ever played, and I have played it now an absurd number of hours and quite obsessively, and I don't intend to stop anytime soon. So with that out of the way... This is episode 112. Alcibiades was very real. An Assassin's Creed Odyssey and whatever else Q&A. First, let me get a very common question out of the way. No, I'm sorry, I have not played Hades or Immortals Phoenix Rising. I probably... I don't want to make any promises. I might... In the future, um, I've heard they're both very good, but as I have said, I am not historically a gamer. Um, it is Assassin's Creed Odyssey that brought me into this whole world, and so far it is the only thing I do. Now, that all said, what I love about Odyssey is the historicity of it, more so than the mythology. So... It, for me, that's the love of it. It's that actually feeling like I'm back in that world that I so desperately want to visit. Um, so the mythology just doesn't do it for me in the same way. Which leads me to another commonly asked question. So have I played the DLCs? This is something I'm asked a lot and I don't blame you. So to make a long story short, yes, I started playing the uh, Atlantis one, uh, be but then I lost my saved game and so can't go back yet because I have to deal with uh, the Minotaur and Medusa and uh, the Cyclops again, which I frankly am dreading. I will. I will get rid of them again, and then therefore be allowed to go back into Atlantis. And I know I could just jump straight in, but I don't want to. I want to go through the game because that's kind of my crazy. Um, but when I was playing it before, again, it's kind of the same thing for why I'm not like super pumped for those other games, because it's all just sort of somebody's idealized version of the mythology and, you know, the Elysian Fields. Um Whereas what I love is the history that's in Odyssey. It's very real. Um, yes, they made some stuff up, but they based so much on the archaeology and what we actually know is factually true about ancient Greece that for me, that's the thrill. It's not so much the mythology. I mean, that said, like, I love the mythological creatures in that real world of ancient Greece, like loved the whole Daughters of Artemis bit. I recently defeated the last of those mythical creatures. That I love, but I love it alongside that historical aspect. And now with all that rambling out of the way, on to your actual questions. All right, this one is from Twitter. Uh, the name on there is, is simply X10. So you know who you are. 
They have a two-part question. The mythology always writes Ares as a hot-headed asshole, but I don't remember coming across anything in Greek mythology accusing him of rape. Have you come across anything that does? If no, do you think he's written that way because the ancients loved to hate him? So first, I did pick this at random, and it does not include AC Odyssey, which is fine. Like I said, we're going to cover everything. So Ares, honestly, um, from everything that I have come across, I can't think of any prominent uh, story where he assaults anyone. That said, I think there probably is one. Um, if not a major story, then a, a minor anecdote or something. But overall, I personally find Ares to be one of the least problematic. Um, I would also push back on him being uh, portrayed as a hot-headed asshole in the mythology. That's not really true either. Honestly, he's pretty minimally involved as a full-blown character, and the stories that primarily involve him, um, the really famous ones at least, really just involve him loving Aphrodite and basically those two circumventing her marriage to Hephaestus. That said, I know there are a lot of uh, shorter, uh, more fragmentary Ares myths that I don't know off the top of my head. I actually am planning a upcoming episode where we cover some really specific Ares myths. It won't come next month because that is International Women's Month and I'm having a whole party with my episodes that month. My God, there's quite the plan in place. Uh, but in the very near future, there will be a bit more on Ares. But as you know, he's the god of war. So there's certain things that come along with that when it comes to actually being in a war time scenario but overall he's pretty lacking in 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 general problematic areas you know he's not he's not one of the more troubling gods okay so similar Nora Dallaire asks okay so I'm obsessed with the cult of Ares in Odyssey is there any basis for that because damn the pyres made of dead bodies freaked me out so this one's also from Twitter, and I love it. So we're we're pulling Aries questions into Odyssey, and I respect it. So um, technically speaking, there was a cult of Aries in ancient Greece, but that said, there was a cult of for basically all of the gods. It basically just means like a cult of worship. It's just how people worshipped those gods. When it comes to Aries. There aren't a lot of uh, temples associated with him, so certainly people uh, worshipping him would have had to do it in other ways, in other locations. You know, when you're going into war, when you're dealing with that kind of thing, you're certainly going to worship Ares in some way, um, sacrifice to him, you know, pour libations, do the whole jam. But uh, as far as, you know, a whole group of people who are like living in caves primarily with crazy freaky death kind of makeup and hoods and uh, pyres of dead bodies and, and all of that that comes along with the cult of Ares in Odyssey. Uh, no, I would say that's basically made up by the game, but I love it. The cult of Ares is one of my favorite things in the game. It's just a very fun group to come across, to defeat. I love that they all have like some pretty crazy anger issues when you're fighting them. Um, generally, I I've really appreciate that addition to the game, but I would say those more severe and creepy and scary aspects of them are invented by by Odyssey. All right, we're going to do a chunk now from uh, the Instagram sticker I put up asking for these questions. 
Have you played the DLC Where You Meet Hades? What are your thoughts? So I basically already answered that. Um, I have played the very beginning of it, but basically only to the point where I encountered Persephone and then just generally was kind of bummed out by the mythological aspects as created there. I also do have a problem with the whole like alien part that comes along with Assassin's Creed in general. It is a bummer to me, you know, as a lover of ancient Greece and the culture and the mythology to suggest that it is in any way related to alien life. But all to say no, like I didn't get to the part where you encounter anyone beyond Persephone and Adonis and Hermes, I guess that was it. Who do you think should play Odysseus and Penelope in the Hollywood movie version? Oh, God, if only, right? I mean, geez, but they'd have to portray Odysseus right where, you know, he's an asshole, but also great. You know, I love him, but he's a real dick. Anyway, I also can't frankly see beyond Sean Bean in Troy. I don't love the movie Troy beyond the fact that Brad Pitt is very hot as Achilles. Uh, But I do think Odysseus is absolutely perfectly portrayed by Sean Bean. I think Sean Bean is the king. I know he's kind of too old by this point, but to me, he will simply always be Odysseus. Are the weapons used in AC Odyssey an accurate representation of what were used? God, I have no idea. I um, I really don't have a good grounding in ancient uh, warfare. Uh, because that is just super not within my interest realm. I know in general, you know, they uh, really appreciated spears in the ancient world, found those to be some of the the best types of weapons. I personally hate using a spear in AC Odyssey. Uh, I find it too uh, cumbersome. I'm a I'm a sword or dagger fan myself. Um, but of course, you know, I'm sure Odyssey invents a lot of more intricate weaponry because there's so many different types of weapons that you can collect. So I would say, you know, parts of it are, are definitely uh, on the more accurate side. They would have had a lot of varied weapons. There are a lot of podcasts you can listen to um, that are not mine about that. Uh, there's a, a Hellenistic uh, history podcast Uh, that I'm going to forget the exact name of, but that's general idea. I haven't listened yet myself, but I would recommend it. There are lots I would not recommend. Uh, The History of Ancient Greece podcast as the host was outed by a, uh, as a super creep. Uh, He had some really pretty dark uh, Me Too moments come out about him in recent times. So while that podcast is still available, I would say don't support it and support any of the many other uh, histories uh, related to the ancient world podcasts that are out there. Did Cassandra exist? I mean, there were lots of women named Cassandra, including, of course, the one from Troy, who we all know and love. Uh, But no, the characters of Cassandra and Alexios are invented. Do you believe the reconstruction of the Greek historical sites to be accurate? For the most part, yes. And like I said, that's why this game appeals to me in a way that the other ones don't. For me, that's what I need. I need to feel like I'm walking in ancient Greece because that's the thing that gives me this like absolutely ridiculous thrill. Um, I know the the recreation of the Parthenon or the Acropolis, rather, uh, the whole thing is very accurate. Uh, I, you know, I don't think we can say with any kind of certainty to what level. I do also think that while uh, the game tried to stay uh, pretty within the bounds of the time period of the Peloponnesian War and even gave itself like a year, I forget what it is, but it's within the Peloponnesian War, obviously, because that's what you're doing in the game. Um, I'm sure there are parts where there are some inclusions of, you know, slightly a historical uh, 
aspects just in terms of the time period itself, um, but I wouldn't fault them for that. One of the things that really thrills me in the game is that you get uh, Bronze Age uh, sites, archaeological sites that are ruins in the game because they were Bronze Age sites. So obviously the Palace of Knossos on Crete is the major example for me. That, I don't know about the, you know, the size and the scope, but the things that they've included in Knossos in terms of the uh, historical accuracy are pretty crazy. So, you know, the the types of columns that they use on that um, palace are very accurate to the Bronze Age remnants that we do have of the Palace of Knossos. Same with the, um, I forget what they're called, they're, the way that the... Um, All the tops of the roofs on that palace have uh, these cool like horn type uh, decorative aspects. Um, There is a specific name for it that I'm not going to remember, but I do remember generally learning about it in a Bronze Age archaeology course in university. And those are very accurate. One thing that the game does, um, which is interesting but not accurate, is that basically they have all of the Bronze Age sites across all of the islands, um, I don't think they have them on, on mainland Greece, but all of the islands, they have them as Minoan. And of course, the Minoans were not like the whole of the islands, the Cycladic, uh, there's Cycladic people of Bronze Age Greece that were not considered Minoans. They would have traded with the Minoans and the like, but, you know, they didn't have the same architecture and stuff. So I understand the purpose, you know, obviously in this game, we're talking about creating this like massive world and architecture, and they couldn't, you know, have that many varied types of archaeological styles. And I don't blame them. So that's one thing is that they do kind of generalize a bit when it comes to certain aspects, specifically Bronze Age sites. Um, I think that also they kind of conflate the Mycenaean Bronze Age sites on the mainland, uh, their archaeological uh, styles or sorry, architectural styles. They kind of conflate those with Minoan as well by just kind of putting all the Bronze Age in one kind of bucket. Um, and again, don't blame them. There's only so much you can do when you're creating this like, massive world. But overall, the accuracy is pretty real. One of the things I really appreciate in terms of the accuracy is just how colorful the world is. So of course, the ancient Greek world was colorful. They painted all their marble. They painted their statues. It was not the way we have it now where everything's clean and pristine white marble. That all happened over time. The paint decayed. Um, And so if you actually, you know, go through the Acropolis Museum in Athens, which is an absolutely incredible museum, just so beyond. It's fucking unreal. I went to Athens before and after it was built and like what a difference when it comes to learning about the Acropolis. It's crazy. Anyway, within that museum, they have a lot of statues that have some remnants of paint left over and then a couple too where they've recreated the paint to show what it would have looked like. Uh, And that's one thing that Odyssey does really, really well is portray this really colorful and beautiful and intricately designed and decorated world of ancient Greece. Next question, which of the main characters of the AC storyline actually existed and how accurate how accurate uh, were the depictions? So um, storyline wise, I would say uh, none of it. I don't want to I don't want to say none of it overall, but like the cult of cosmos is not real. Um, most of the main characters beyond Cassandra and Alexios and like the the cult aspects were real. 
Um, obviously, you do a lot of wandering with Herodotus, who, you know, is sort of historically termed the first historian. That's up for debate, technically speaking, but um, he was very real regardless. And you also deal with Pericles as the leader of Athens and Creon as his rival, like there's no cult involved. Um, but uh, Pericles and Cleon were very real. Uh, Alcibiades is real. That's a key point. And I think it's, that's a question that comes up later. We'll, we'll go more into that. Obviously, you know, you deal with Hippocrates, which is super cool. He was obviously real, where we get the Hippocratic Oath, one of the first doctors in the way we know them now. So, I mean, a lot of those characters that you encounter in that way uh, were very much real. You just kind of have to separate them from the whole cult of cosmos bit. So again, like, yeah, Pericles and Cleon were very real. Pericles was the leader of Athens for a long time uh, during the Peloponnesian War, um, you know, but he wasn't killed by a cult of cosmos. And, uh, you know, Cleon, I think, Cleon was his major rival, um, just in general, uh, Aspasia, uh, Pericles is uh, sort of, I don't want to use the word consort, but that's basically what she was. Uh, she was real and they had a child together actually. At Pericles' symposium, which symposiums were very real, you get to meet, you know, all of my favorite people. I, I nearly cried with happiness when I realized I got to get Euripides and Aristophanes drunk. I mean, what a game. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you meet Sophocles, um, you meet Euripides and Aristophanes, and again, Herodotus is there throughout. The whole thing, in terms of the accuracy of the Peloponnesian War's main characters, is pretty legit. I do think they kind of smushed some timelines together so that you ha could have so many uh, famous characters in at once. I haven't looked into the ways in which these people overlap, but I don't think they overlap to the degree that they do in the game. Um, but that said, like, what a great thing to kind of squish and play with when it comes to time, just so that you can have all of these characters in one game. I mean, it's brilliantly done. Absolutely. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to some more uh, Instagram questions. How far in the game are you? Will you be buying the extras? They're worth it. So I've basically already answered that. I did beat the whole main game and then um, started playing as Alexios to kind of, and then picked other uh, routes so I could kind of see where the game diverged if you made different decisions. And then I accidentally saved over my totally game finished Cassandra who you know, had beat all of the Atlantic character Atlantis characters so that I could go to Atlantis and the whole thing. And then suddenly she was overwritten and um, I cried a little, to be honest. But uh, I'm in the midst of doing that again. But obviously, like, I mean, for me, it was also just getting used to playing a game in addition to this one. But now I'm so much better at it that it's actually pretty great. Like, I'm not beat. I haven't beat the game yet. And I'm at like a, almost the same level as when I beat the game and then some last time so that's pretty fun she's going to be super high level which is great uh and then i will probably eventually keep playing that alexios and see all the differences when i first beat the game i did get the so-called good option um where you know spoilers uh the whole family is alive and they're all on your ship together it's pretty adorable um but i wanted to see the other versions as well so that said like i have i have in the past beat the whole game i'm nearing it again in my redo version but i i don't have um i don't even remember what the other uh 
uh, DLC is, but I might get it. I don't know. I've heard like kind of different things, but at the same time, I kind of want more. And it feels like it's more in that same world of ancient Greece versus the mythological world. So that kind of appeals to me more than Atlantis. I'll probably keep going in the Atlantis stuff, but um, I mean, Atlantis alone to me isn't even Greek myth, you know, like uh, I, I will be covering it more in depth so I can kind of explain that more in a future episode. But yeah, to me, Atlantis isn't Greek myth because it isn't Greek myth, technically speaking. And so to include it is kind of in itself even going beyond um, the mythology into sort of a, a very different realm in terms of of just ancient Greece in general and how they understood their gods and goddesses and how they understood everything. Like, honestly, I mean, the the gist of Atlantis historically is that Plato mentions it in passing. Well, not in passing, but like in a, one of his dialogues to prove a point, he references this concept of Atlantis, but it doesn't even feel like Plato believed it. And there are no other sources who talked about it. So it's just simply not a Greek myth. Um, again, there's more to it. Well, there's barely more to it than that, but it's sort of a very bizarre thing the way it's exploded into what it is now based on the fact that truly like it's, it's literally in Plato's dialogue, Timaeus and Critias, and that's it. That's the whole of it. So that's all to say, um, yes, I have the, uh, Atlantis one and I will probably maybe keep playing it. We'll see. And I'm kind of interested in the other one, but I haven't thought about it. Is it good? Tell me. Someone else asks, should I get AC Odyssey? What made you start playing? Yes, you absolutely should. Um, I had been told to play it like since it came out. All of you had been messaging me all the time and I was kind of vaguely interested. But like I said, I had never played like a video game before. So for me, it was sort of a bit more of a stretch. Um, But then I've seen pictures and kind of lost my mind over how incredible it looked. And I was told that it's basically just like wandering ancient Greece. And that that's what sold me, honestly, is someone being like, it's just you can wander ancient Greece. And between the pandemic and not being able to do anything or go anywhere and also just having more time since leaving my job, it just seemed the best thing. And it has been because it's like, I can't travel. I can't go to Greece. I desperately want to. I don't really do anything beyond like get groceries um, and like see my mom and sister. So being able to kind of escape to an ancient Greek world on my comfortable couch with a glass of wine is the best. Will I do a whole episode on Odyssey? I'd love that. I mean, basically, this is it. I wouldn't really know how to put together an episode on it completely. And as much as I love the historical stuff, I wouldn't totally know where to begin in terms of researching the historical truths and untruths. So um, yeah, this is basically my episode on on Odyssey for sure. It's, It's just kind of me talking to you guys about it and answering your questions. Now, this one, I think, is a really interesting point. There were pronunciations that were unexpected. Thoughts. So, and I did actually confirm this with just like a cursory Google search, but it was my original assumption. Um, They essentially use modern Greek pronunciations of the words, and that's why it's confusing. So, you know, modern Greek is, is quite different in terms of pronunciations, notably the letter beta which is sort of an, it looks like an English B 
ish. Um, but it, it does originally in the ancient Greek, it mirrored a B sound like a B sound. Um, but in modern Greek, as I understand it, it's more of a V, V, V sound, which is why a place like, um, and I don't know the accurate ancient pronunciation of, but Eubia, you know, the island, they call it Evia. And Boeotia, which is how I understand to pronounce it, but I don't know again if I'm right, um, they say Viotia. So you're getting these uh, different uses of the letters in terms of the pronunciation because the game didn't attempt to recreate a classical pronunciation of ancient Greek. And I, you know, I don't really blame them, um, but that is where the confusion lies. But also, you know, we have to remember that if you're comparing it to me or even just like generally English speaking, like not, you know, English speaking in terms of, you know, North America or Australia or UK or whatever, our pronunciations are are very much based in English. You know, if if I were to try to pronounce ancient Greek words with some kind of accent, for one, it would be really hard for me. It would be way too much work and effort. And it would sound weird because I otherwise speak with a very, you know, North American slash some people would say iconically Canadian accent. So if I were to try to say things, you know, with with a Greek accent, it would be silly. Um, And I certainly wouldn't want to attempt it. I personally think that I, I could do a slightly better job on pronunciations. But again, it's all super... It's all really up in the air in terms of, you know, how things should be pronounced now if you're not overall speaking ancient Greek or modern Greek. You know, there isn't really a cut and dry pronunciation for a lot of things because of trying to say them in English, but also time and, you know, the way things change. And there's so many different pronunciations of Greek. I'm starting like an absolute base level ancient Greek class and just learning originally, or so far I've learned like the alphabet and stuff like that. And there's like a classical pronunciation. I'm sure there's an archaic pronunciation, but it's not included in my class. Um, Yeah, classical and then cune, which is like biblical and later. And then there's modern. Like there's so many pronunciations of Greek that I don't blame uh, Odyssey with, with going with modern because obviously it was going to be the easiest and they could just get Greek people. I don't know if they have Greek people speaking, but I mean, they certainly sound like they could be. So that's where the pronunciation uh, things come into play. It does cause me to be confused a lot not so much in the game like I know I can tell what they're talking about but more like questioning how I pronounce things then I have to remind myself like no it is modern Greek like you're not necessarily doing it wrong and it would be really hard to try to pronounce it like this and anyway it's a whole thing but that is where the the pronunciation kind of questions come in all right uh, a non-odyssey related question is non-greco-roman mythology that most interests me um Egyptian Egyptian, definitely. Um, And they add, also, if you could say hi to Katie in Texas, my mom and one of your devoted listeners. Hi, Katie in Texas. That's just fun. Another unrelated question is, is your new book thick or thin? Just wondering if I should order hard copy for my table or Kindle. Thick or thin is a a tricky question, I would would argue. Um, I, I haven't seen it. Uh, so I don't know, but I will tell you that the illustrations are amazing. So I would recommend a print copy um, because, I mean, depending, I guess a tablet's going to show some the illustrations pretty well. But I would say print because the illustrations are amazing. Have you been to Hades Town the musical? No, and I haven't listened to it either. I'm sorry. I've listened to like one song and it, it bugged me. I know I should give it a more of a chance and I'm sure it's wonderful and I respect it greatly. But also, no, I have not.
Next question. How's your cat? Haven't heard any meows in the background in a while. My cat is great. Uh, If you follow my personal account on Twitter, you will note that every single night I post a picture of him sleeping on his stuffed shark because he is a weird ass cat. Um, No, he's very good. He just doesn't seem to come on and meow anymore. That was sort of in the first apartment I, I had when recording this podcast. He seemed to really require being around me a little bit more than he does now. He screams a lot at me, but weirdly not when I'm recording. It's kind of nice if it means that he's not in it quite as much. What do you think of Hercules Legendary Journeys series and Xena Warrior Princess? So I got confused at the end of that. But um, I used to watch them in the 90s when I was a kid. And uh, I haven't really since. Um, Kevin Sorbo is a shithead. So I don't really care to watch Hercules. I do want to watch Xena again. But also sometimes I've tried to watch like the first episode and it was just so 90s and so old um, that I stopped, but I'll probably try to go back because it's a really good memories. Like I have really great memories of watching that a lot. Uh, my mom, uh, has a lot of like really big badass lady hippie friends. Um, and when we moved out West where there's a lot of, of that world, Xena really came along with it. We had, my mom had a lot of friends who had a lot of Xena in their lives. And, uh, we definitely really watched a ton of that show when I was young. Will you make an ep on the different kinds of ancient magic, magic asking because of your books? Um, yeah, I've done one. It's called I don't know, but it has the word magic in the title for sure. Yep. Um, I covered kind of what I could out of um, the the myth- the mythological witches, you know, like Circe and Hecate and Medea, um, but also from all the, the witchcraftian books that I have. Um, I'm always looking for more content to do more of an episode. Um, so, you know, as I come across more, I would happily do another one. But for now, there is definitely an episode to check out. Did Zeus also rape Persephone? I read it somewhere, but I refuse to accept it. Uh, yes. I think so. I mean, it's either that or it was consensual, but like unlikely and also um, he's her dad. So gross. Um, but Persephone's only real recorded child is a god named Zagreus who is fathered by Zeus. So yeah. Um, but again, like people have this thing for Persephone. Um... But you do have to remember, you know, she really wasn't, she didn't really go beyond the rest of the gods and goddesses in the mythology. You know, she was one of them and she and Hades had all the same kinds of flaws that everyone else has, including the fact that he did kidnap her. Like, I know everyone wants to love them and ship them. And I I personally don't understand it. I do enjoy Laura Olympus for what it is, I will say. Like, I find it very respectable what Rachel's doing. She's put a total different spin on it. So you can kind of separate it from from the story of, of abduction. Um and I really like the modern adaptation and all of that. So I I really quite enjoy Laura Olympus, especially her Hephaestus. Oh my God, it, it blew my mind. Um, but I, I personally, I don't get the full-on romanticization of them. And you just have to remember that like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to phrase. I don't want to burst anyone's bubbles, but you know, Zeus was awful to everyone and Persephone was one of them. And um, I mean, Zeus is the one who gave... Hades, quote unquote, permission to abduct her. It's all dark, you know? All that shit's fucked up. (laughs) Fucking Greek mythology is bananas fucked up. That's a technical term. 
Have you ever considered reading Percy Jackson? Well, this gets asked every time I do a Q&A, and I'm really sorry to say the answer will always be no. I just, I don't want to. Thank you for understanding. If the gods made a hockey team, who is in goal and who is captain? I mean, I think maybe the assumption here is because I'm Canadian, I have any kind of, any kind of anything on hockey, but I do not care. I do not care. You come up with that, and uh, that'll be your mythological hockey team. What's your favorite food? Also, I love your podcast. Thank you. And Greek food. Ha ha ha. Yeah, it's really cliche, but it's really true. I mean, I could eat all this for the rest of my life. How did you find the process of writing your book? Pre-ordered, can't wait. Thank you for pre-ordering. Everyone, please pre-order. It's a really big deal, and pre-orders help immensely. It was the most stressful thing I've ever done, and it is still one of the most stressful things I've ever done, and uh, my life is a little bit of an anxious mess at the moment. That's a bit of an overshare, but it's true. Um, I had to write the book very quickly, and not only that, but when I originally agreed to it and signed on, I was not working full time because of the pandemic. I um, was only working at, I, I, I was managing a store, but you know, we weren't open. So I was barely there. Um, and then as soon as I physically had to start writing the book, my store reopened. So I had to be the manager of a bunch of teenagers and early 20s people while in a pandemic and trying to navigate reopening in a mall in a pandemic and also write a full book. It it was really stressful. It was really, it was really stressful. And I can't wait uh, till I physically have it in my hands because then everything I think will feel a lot more exciting. Any asexual myths? This is an interesting question um, and one that I've been thinking more and more about lately. So... The ancient Greeks didn't think of gender in the way that we did. So there isn't really any way to say. Um, some of the, you know, gender concepts that are more obvious are like the men who love each other. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that you can like conclusively say that anyone was gay. You know, like they just, they're, they kind of loved whoever they loved. And I'm sure there were um, asexual people then. And I'm sure that there were myths that people would have considered what we now believe to be, or understand rather, what we now understand to be asexual. Um, but because the concept didn't exist, we can't really place that idea onto anyone. Um, some people subscribe to the idea that Artemis was asexual. Personally, I think, again, because they didn't know that concept as we know it now, you can't really conclusively say that. Um, but I, I, I pretty much stand by the idea that like, if you are an asexual person, if you are a gay person, if you are a transgender person, um, take what myth you want. Like there are definitely gods and goddesses that you can identify with in your gender expression and identity. And they can be what you want them to be. Like just because we can't technically speaking say that like definitively someone was X doesn't mean you can't personally believe that they were for you or just personally believe that in general. Like, you know, do what you want. Like like the gods were mythological concepts. And um, I think that they really exist for us to just have be what we need to be at any given time. So, you know, you do you. If you want to believe Artemis is asexual because of the story surrounding her, that is 
you know, absolutely a, a convincing argument to be made. And there's a lot more than that as well. Um, but it's just sort of a really uh, uh, weird kind of thing because because the, the concepts weren't the same. Um, and so asexuality in in specifically, I find to be one of the trickier aspects just because it is something that while they may have understood to be a general concept, like they didn't explicitly refer to it or understand it in the way that we understand asexuality. And therefore, like there's no concrete examples of that, if that makes any sense. All right, jumping back to some email questions. Um, Mike asks, a question I had is, what do you think about the ancient Scythians or Scythians, I never know how to pronounce it, as being a source of the Amazon's myth? There have been a number of graves that time from that time period of women buried with swords and axes. I heard that on a YouTube channel, possibly a podcast. Unfortunately for the life of me, I can't remember right now. No problem. Also, to relate this to AC Odyssey, do Amazons make an appearance in the game at all? I haven't beaten the game yet, lost a save game, had to start over. I feel that. So, um, I need to do more research on this. Again, this will happen in an upcoming episode. But as far as I know, it's a pretty solid uh, explanation that the uh, Scythians were indeed the interpretations of the Amazons. Um, as far as I know, they had a lot of uh, female warriors and, you know, did a lot of uh, horseback riding into war. That's not a technical term. Um, but I think it's a pretty solid argument based on the very little that I know. But again, I will know more soon. As for in Odyssey, um, kind of. So I'm obsessed with having my Cassandra be totally decked out in all the epic Amazon gear. So she basically walks around looking like an Amazon, um, which I think is badass. But I also think that's kind of the only connection to be made in Odyssey. But it's not a bad one. (laughs) Um, Some more questions from Chris. Did you play as Cassandra or Alexios? Any reason you chose one over the other? I started with Cassandra both because she's a woman and because everyone told me I should. Um, and then, like I said, I do have another game where I've played some as Alexios. Um, I really prefer Cassandra. She's a complete and utter badass. And I just think Alexios suits being Deimos. Um, But I mean, for me, it's just like, well, if I'm going to have the opportunity to play as a totally badass female warrior, like I'm obviously going to do it. Chris had a lot of other questions, but uh, for the most part, I've already answered them, uh, except for the last one, which was, ever get one of those blasted sea shanties stuck in your head? So catchy. I I teach music at a small college, and I have transcribed 10 of the shanties over the holiday break. I gave them to our choral director, and now our chamber choir is going to sing them in concert this semester. So stoked. That makes me so happy. And also, yes, absolutely, they've gotten stuck in my head. I love them. I love, I mean, I just love this game but like I yeah I absolutely love the shanties but then also I love that you can be wandering through a town and somebody will be singing it to themselves as well so you get kind of like all the different varied interpretations of like I don't know what it is however many songs there are Chris seems to have transcribed 10 of them so there must be at least 10 anyway yes no I've absolutely got them stuck in my head I absolutely love them and it thrills me to no end that the chamber choir is going to sing them in concert oh my god um, back to Twitter, the Sass Patch asked me, what was your favorite myth inclusion into real life Greece part of AC Odyssey? Um, I mean, I like the all the animals uh, they have to defeat, except for the hyena, which pretty sure is not a thing at all in any myth ever. Um, if I'm wrong, please, God, shout at me. But that was a weird addition on um, Kithera. But otherwise, I loved them. 
and uh, it's all just so fucking fun. But for me, the more the most thrilling part, like I've mentioned, is the real stuff. So it was going to the symposium in Athens and meeting Euripides. And I was like, holy fuck, that's Euripides. And uh, that was another example of the funny pronunciation. And I think, again, that's the um, modern Greek coming out because they call him like Euripides. Um, and again, but I'm saying it in a very like Canadian English way of Euripides. So such is life. You know, we all have to deal with the different ways in which these things can be said and pronounced. And um, but again, Odyssey does, as far as I understand, use modern Greek, which is where all the sort of oddities that you might have noticed come in. Well, as much as I feel like I could keep going on about this forever, um, I think this is a sufficiently long episode of questions. I will just finish this by saying that again, yes, Alcibiades is a very real person. Um, you know, I don't know enough about him. Like I said, I, I don't know enough about the history and I'd love to dive in more if I can sort of find the the best source for doing that. But from what I understand it, the kind of funny play on him is that he seems to have sort of appeared kind of everywhere throughout the history of the Peloponnesian War and just kind of seems to have had a hand in so many things and just like been at so many different places during this war that it is sort of a perfect running joke to have him sort of appear in this game just constantly um his sort of like oversexed <laughs> character i don't i don't know about the accuracy of that but i mean god he's just so entertaining in the game and so ridiculous and it, it's just i love the running joke of just kind of like dude oh my god you again and you're flirting again and you want to have sex with me again ugh alcibiades <laughs> I also do love the running jokes of Socrates being just like so long-winded and like, yeah, we can appreciate him, but also kind of wish he'd shut up. I mean, this is why I find Odyssey so much more appealing than those other mythologically based games. And it's just simply that like, when it comes to this, like, yes, obviously mythology is my thing, but mythology is my thing in sort of the way that you can interpret it in whatever way you want. So I don't really care for other interpretations of it. It just doesn't thrill me in the same way. Whereas ancient Greece is also wildly my thing. And my biggest desire on this planet is to just fucking get a time machine and go back there and see everything and experience everything. And so because this game is so accurate and so detailed and so widespread and has such a huge world to explore, to me, this is the closest thing that I have to this. Like I, as I'm speaking these words, I'm staring at this piece of art that I have from Jeff Murray Art. Um, he's on Instagram. Check him out. Which also reminds me, Jeff, you asked on Instagram whether or not I'd gotten uh, Poseidon's trident yet because it allows you to swim underwater. Absolutely, I did. Oh my God. I've even gotten in my second game because that's a priority. Breathing underwater is absolutely key and much less stressful when you're playing that game. I have the Ascend the Acropolis piece sitting above my desk and it's literally just like this complete interpretation of of Athens in classical Greece of walking up to the Acropolis. Everyone check out that art. Ascend the Acropolis is like it makes my life a thousand times better and also he has a Greek mythology piece that's going to go up in my new apartment and be like another focal point. So definitely check out his art um, but also god check out AC Odyssey. This is this is the thing I think about all the time. It's just what I would experience if I could go there. And so that's why the game is so perfect for me and so like exactly what I need. And I just, yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend it. Obviously, it's it's very accurate. It's very detailed. It's very fun. And, um, you know, we'll do another one of these sometime maybe or I'll do an Instagram live. 
soon. I just always forget to do them. But uh, thank you so much for submitting these questions. It's sort of a freewheeling episode when I don't have a script to work off of. Um, But it's been fun. I hope you've all enjoyed it and learned something and learned a little bit about uh, AC Odyssey, if not ancient Greece in general. Um, So many more ums without my script. Oh, thank you all so much for listening. You're all so wonderful. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for being around and just like existing in this crazy listenership that I have of this very fun thing I get to do every week. You are all the absolute best. I am Liv and I love this shit. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.